It's always an honor for me when a full-time law enforcement professional wants to come on the show. I love to hear their take on what's going on in the world right now in the law enforcement profession. My next guest you're going to love, his name is Eric McCants. He's a full-time Leo serving in the great state of Georgia. He's a veteran officer serving admirably and with distinction over the years. His current role is a narcotics sergeant in his agency, and he's going to talk about his firsthand experience dealing with many issues affecting law enforcement, but also the opioid and the fentanyl crisis that is everywhere in this country. You do not want to miss this episode. Eric McCants, next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to the CJ Evolution Podcast. We would not be here today if it wasn't for you and your continued support. If you love the show, please give us that five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast and share this episode along with other episodes with your family and friends. We sure would appreciate it. Everything is at cjevolution.com. How are you today? I just want to thank you for what you're doing in the law enforcement and first responder community. Whatever it is, wherever you're at right now, thank you for doing what you are doing. And don't listen to all the garbage out there that is spewing all this hate about the first responders in this great country. You are honored, cherished, and above all, you are loved. Remember, the vast majority of people out there support you. I know it doesn't seem like it, but they do. You are honored, cherished, and above all, you are loved. Always remember that and always come home safe. If you are fearful of taking that step forward and asking for the help that you need and deserve, please take that step forward. Face your fears. You can do it. I did it, and I know you can too. Reach out today to FHE Health and their Shatterproof program for first responders. I went through this program. I was fearful. I was scared. I did not know what to expect, and they helped me. They saved my life. Reach out to them today, 844-650-1399, or you can reach out to me directly. I'm a national liaison for FHE Health, 303-960-9819. All calls are confidential. You deserve to be healthy and happy. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment, doing the breath therapy that's done here. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. They should be afforded the ability to come get help when they need help. It has gotten better, but we still have a long way to go.
Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm very excited to have this gentleman on the show. I see him all over social media. He's big on LinkedIn. Eric McCants. What's up, brother? Hey, how's it going, sir? Hey, man. You don't have to call me, sir. It's just a habit. I know it's a habit. It's a habit, brother. Now, Eric, you've been in law enforcement for a while. You, you, you're currently a Leo. You're a sergeant, right? Yes, sir. With, with your agency. And I wanted to have you on just to get to know you a little better. And I see you're doing great things out there for our first responders. What do you see? I mean, people can look on social media and look on the news, but from somebody who's inside, you're on the street, you are working narcotics, right? You work narcotics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what are you seeing? Um, I know what you're seeing externally, but what are you seeing internally as far as some of the challenges that uh, law enforcement is dealing with right now? Well, like I said, retention is uh, one of the biggest problems yeah. that we have now. Like I said, no one really wants to get into the job where you're thankless and then you don't get paid enough for the job that you do. So trying to keep people in the profession is one thing. And like mm -hmm. I said, I work in the state of Georgia. And like I said, I was talking with another guy that was on LinkedIn. Uh, we don't have a state uh, retirement plan. So basically, oh. what, for us, it's like if you go from one agency to the next, you got to basically pick up that retirement and put it in like a 401 yeah, IRA or yeah. office, something like that. So that's one issue that you have. Is people back in the day used to like stay at agencies for 20, 30 years just to get to retirement. But now, you know, people have options. They have better ways to progress their career. And they know that different agencies can, you know, provide that for them, but they don't want to leave the time they already have accumulated. So retention is one. And then, like I say, just the fact that media is against law enforcement right now and then all the bashing that happens to it. Because, I mean, who really wants to go to a job every day Absolutely. you're trying to save others? protect them and all that stuff but you i mean we don't do it for the thanks but you at least want to be respected for your job you do and i'm not saying that i live in one of those type of communities but you see it around on the news all the time of people just challenging officers trying to fight them while they try to do the jobs like recently i've seen where two officers i believe it was in connecticut were just going to a domestic violence before they even got there they were gunned down and killed so i mean those type of situations are happening and it's kind of hard to expect people want to sign up for that profession and want to be in it when they see things like that happening when they can go somewhere else make more money and have a less stressful job. Yeah, absolutely. And thank God that men and women are, are still, you know, getting into it. But like you said, I mean, it's not to the degree that I saw when I first started a long time ago where people, you, you might've experienced this, Eric, where people, you know, you'd have a couple openings and be a shit ton of people there, you know, trying to become, you know, law enforcement, but now, you know, you don't see it as much or and thank God we still have people that are, that are doing it. Um, and you mentioned uh, something else important too, brother. I mean, the retirement, I mean, that's another misconception with a lot of people. They think that every cop out there has some sort of pension waiting for him or her when they retire. That's not the case with a lot of agencies. I mean, yeah. a lot of agencies don't have pensions out there. So yeah. you, you got to do what you have to do to, to save some money. So what about like, I mean, all that contributes to mental health. And what, what's your take? What are you seeing maybe, you know, from your agency, sister agencies, you know, what's what's the morale of the troops right now? Well, I'd say for my agency, like I, said, I work in a pretty small agency, but sure. I work in a big county. So we're kind of a tight niche group. But um, overall, like I said, everybody has good spirits, but, you know, good. they still don't want to run into the issue where they get in some trouble or something happens. And then, like I say, they're, you know, wrongly judged over something that I've seen. Many law enforcement officers' career ended, and they were in the correct. They were doing what they need to do, but you know the public sees it one way, and they're like, "Say, man, that family has to get up and move and put stress on them, getting divorced, losing kids, stuff like that." Because of the sure. incident that happened, and how people villainize law enforcement just for the split session 
split second decisions that they make. So that's one thing that a lot of people are scared of. And like I tell people every day, as long as you know you're going to do your job correctly and you go out and do it to the best of your abilities, things might happen. But like I said, as long as you have good faith that you, what you're doing is correct, things should go the right way. And like I said, it's just one of those things like, you know, no one wants to take anybody life. But if you have to, depending on yourself or somebody else from being harmed, Absolutely. it is what it is. And like I say everybody might understand it that way, but then you got to protect people's lives. So that's what a lot of people are scared of, especially younger officers. Like, well, what if I do have to draw my gun and take somebody's life while I'm defending, you know, my brother's sister or somebody else that's in danger? And even if I am correct, somebody's still gonna have an issue with it. And then, like I say, if you cause all those problems for you, you can go get suspended and all kind of different things going on. So they see it all over the nation. And like I said, we haven't had one of the incidents, and I pray we don't. But it's just something that scares a lot of younger officers from, you know. Yeah. I'm not saying they're not going to do their job, but they're kind of hesitant. And like I say, hesitation can get you killed in our, our job. So that's just some things that you see out there. Yeah. And you hit it on the head. I mean, it's, it's something that you think about, but I mean, you, you know, this, and I mean, how many contacts does law enforcement officers from around the country have on a daily basis? They've got to be tens millions. of thousands, millions, like you said, mm-hmm. I mean, how many of those end up in a, a use of force? You know, I mean, a very small percentage. Yeah, exactly. A very small percentage. Now, I'm not saying we ignore that, but the vast majority of people out there, brave men and women like you go out there every day. They put everything on the line. They serve and protect. And contrary to what some people think, no police officer gets up in the morning and says, I want to go shoot somebody. I mean, what? I mean, it's just it's it's not. And maybe there are some really bad cops that think that way, but. Mm-hmm. I think we've come a long way where we're trying to get rid of the bad cops and every organization has them to some True. degree. And so we don't, at least in my organization, we didn't allow, I mean, we didn't put up with it very much. If a, if a bad cop or somebody who needed to, to go usually for discipline, you know, or something, you know, it's, it's not like, I think there's two with some people that, you know, all cops are corrupt. Yeah. <laughs> Some people have that mindset that they think just to paint law enforcement with that broad brush that because one or two individuals did something wrong that they think we're all the same way. And I like people seem to believe that we're robots. We're not all that way. Like I say, most of us are empathetic. Like I say, we want to build a rapport with the people that we work with or working for and we try to do things correctly. But some people just feel like, okay, we're not, they're just here to lock us up, give us tickets, take us to jail and stuff. And that's just not how it is. No, it's not. And quit watching TV, quit watching <laughs> the movies yeah. because. It's not like that. If you could give your younger self some advice right now about getting into law enforcement, you know, what would you give your younger self? Uh, to be a little bit more patient. Like I said, I started off when I was 20 years old. So like you're young. Saying, uh, <laughs> yeah. So my sheriff, when I first started, like, matter of fact, he was my instructor in the academy. Then he got hired as a chief of police, but he put me in the specialized division straight out the academy. That's a division called housing, which you basically work for the housing areas uh, of the city. So uh, it was just a high paced thing. Like I say, basically we went from one area to the next and he told us to basically take back control of the housing areas because they're having a lot of crimes going on. And a lot of people were scared to go in those areas to do anything about it because of the type of crowd they're dealing with. But uh, after we got in control, it was a hard time for us to readjust. Like, okay, well, people you know are doing what they need to do. We don't have to have that that hard hand to keep the crime under control. People understand to have voluntary compliance. And that's mm-hmm. basically what our job is for people that gain voluntary compliance to the rules. So after a while, you're like, well, okay, y'all can dial it down. But you know, I'm 20. I'm like, nah, we still run the gun. <laughs> they they got to learn. They got to go to jail. They say, yeah, all that. Yeah, so yeah. It, it took me a while. I say it took me a, a good little minute to understand that process. 
And once I did, like I said, I ended up, you know, he ended up having to make me resign from that job. Because like I said, I, I started when I was 20. I had to resign when I was 21. But I had a lot going on. It was just. Yeah. Long, I mean, you're, long, you're so, learning and thrown into yeah. the fire and stuff. And it, it was it was different for me. Like I said, uh, with law enforcement, a lot of things come with it. And a lot of people don't want to talk about it. But like I said, not only does power, but like for a male officer, a lot of things come with it. And if you're not used to that type of stuff, it can change you up. So like I said, well, it was go over your head. Oh, yeah, a lot of things just came with it, I say, as far as the work aspect, which wasn't too bad, but like I said, what I didn't understand at that time was my home life. Like, you got to make sure you take care of your home life. Absolutely. And like I say, even where you're not working, you still represent the badge. And like yeah. I said, as a law enforcement officer, when you put on a uniform, people look at you differently. And then females come along, and things like that can get you in trouble. So that's one thing I had to learn when I was younger, was just <laughs> that part of law enforcement. Like I say, you just got to understand that you're always on the clock, even if you're not. So you got to always make sure you represent yourself the best way. Absolutely. And remember, I mean, especially in a small town, because I, I spent my career in smaller agencies and you are always a cop because people know who you are. Mm-hmm. And so if you're out there doing stupid crap, it's not that it's good in a bigger agency either. But I mean, there's just a lot more people, but mm-hmm. you are always representing the department and, you know, especially in a smaller agency and people know, OK, Eric's a cop. Mm-hmm. And so if you're out there getting hammered at a bar or something. And then oh, yeah, you know, two two nights, two nights later, out there running DUI, and you pull over somebody who saw you getting smashed at a bar. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. It, it happens. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it happens. You know, and mm-hmm. and that's what people don't know. I mean, it, it is a it's a stressful job. I had the same problem. You know, mm-hmm. when I was a young cop, I was like impatient. I was like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come mm-hmm. on. But I learned over time, and I imagine you did, Eric, is, is that you know sometimes it's good to just sit back. You know, let people vent mm-hmm. and you don't have to take action. In my career, I don't know if you what your experience is. Most of the time we have time on our side. Yeah, those are those instances where, you know, you have to make those split second decisions. But that's the one thing I learned. And I had great people around me, like teaching me that, you know, most of the time you have time on your side. I don't know if you experienced that, too. Yeah, I say most time I, I've learned just over calls. People just want to vent, talk like you said. They want exactly. to get what they have going on out and like I said most times you can let them talk you can work your way through most situations like I say sometimes with officers you know like I say especially if you're in a bigger age and you got other calls going you want to go ahead and get your information see if you can go ahead and solve the problem and move on to the next one but like I say if you let people talk build that rapport with them let them know that you're generally interested in what's going on and trying to find a resolution to their problem more likely you can find a good outcome of it so yeah just patience like I say one of the biggest classes that my uh sheriff sent me to was verbal judo like oh, say, yeah. you know, I, I came to a different class, like I say, I was kind of impatient with myself, but learning how to talk to people and let them on your side and let them know that you understand what you're doing, but also be able to keep control of the situation. That seemed like a pushover. It's a, it's a skill that many officers got to learn, like over time, because like I say, either you're going to come off too authoritative or either you're going to come off too soft and people are trying to run over. So you got to find that happy balance. Hey, you got to find that balance there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember, you know, hearing the same stuff as, as time went on. And I always tell people, you know, I can use force. I mean, mm-hmm. like you alluded to, if I have to, but I'd rather talk my way out of something mm-hmm. than to, to use force. And and luckily I learned that at a young age in law enforcement, my young career, because you, you see cops all the time, brother. I have to tell you the listeners too. I mean, it, it sometimes you have to be heavy, heavy handed, but most of the time you don't. And to get mm-hmm. that voluntary compliance is what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, man, we see, it just seems like we live in a society that people don't just don't want to do what cops say. 
Yeah. And a lot of people want to challenge law enforcement just for one reason or another. And like I tell people, I say, most of the time, we don't go out there just to harass people and we don't bother people just because most of the time it's something that causes us to come yeah, talk absolutely. to you or something like that. Either we recall, we've seen something that seems suspicious or a crime being committed. We're not just out there bothering people. Something alerted us to you. And that's why we're contacting you, trying to figure out what's going on, trying to figure out what we need to do to make this you know, situation and you know peacefully or you know solve the problem that's happening so it's not like we're just going out there well, okay i'm gonna get this person and all that stuff it's exactly something that drawn us to you like either you were speeding you stop at the stop sign you were fighting somebody you had just stolen something something's drawn us to you and people don't seem to understand that they always catch you on that on the other end of it like while we're talking to people and like after we spent 30 minutes trying to be peaceful like, hey man you come on out the house we're trying to get you out <laughs> time's up but by that time you know people start pulling out the cameras and then you catch the last 30 seconds of when you put your hands on somebody and be like, okay, well, this officer's using too much force. So that's kind of the situation that we face. Well, and I told, I mean, you know this, I mean, you know, I mean, you can go online, you know, this, you can go online and, and Google, you know, police encounters, police assaults, but what people don't realize it's like a football game, man. You know, this, I mean, how many angles do you show whether or not a receiver had two feet in or not? I mean, mm -hmm. cops don't get that luxury. You know, we get mm -hmm. one angle, you know, our body cam. And so I, I, try to tell people, you know, before you rush to judgment, why not wait and let the investigation kind of run its course, whatever that may look like. And maybe the officer is in the wrong. Maybe mm -hmm. he or she screwed up and used too much mm -hmm. force. Hopefully they'll be held accountable, but I think we're just too busy to, to rush the gun. Now it's immediately online and it goes viral and all this other stuff. Well, you don't know what, what the officer was feeling. He was smelling, you know, what, what he was experience at the experiencing at that time. So wait to judge. Yeah. You know so that I mean? Monday quarterback can happen quickly. And that's why I tell people, I say, give it time. Like I say, most time you only get a small clip of the whole incident that occurred. Let everything come out first before you start making judgment. Like I say, and many times and sometimes officers are in the wrong. And when they are in the wrong. Oh yeah, absolutely. They need to be handled. But when they're not, say, just give it time for both types. Even if they were in the wrong or they wasn't in the wrong, give it time for the whole investigation to come out. So you can make a clear judgment on it. Like I say, many people, they'll get a little small video clip and then they just run with it and be like, okay, well, this officer's rogue. He needs to be gone all that stuff. But they don't know what happened before or after the incident to understand what happened. So that's yeah. what I say about it. Yeah. Now, what what advice would you give? I mean, maybe you, I'm sure you've had this before, Eric, but what, what advice would you give to somebody like a young person that wanted to get into law enforcement right now with all the stuff that is going on right now? But they really wanted to serve them. Well, what would you tell them? Uh, basically, I tell them, like I said, man, go to your local agency or find somebody that you know that's a law enforcement officer. Try to do a ride along. Absolutely. Peek down. Look look at some stuff <laughs> for what's going on. Because a lot of people think it's stuff like on TV. Don't get me wrong. You're going to have your car chased. You're going to have your foot chases and all that stuff. That's a very a small, of, small percentage. Yeah, <laughs> that's a far few between. Like You're going to be up here trying to get dogs and cats out of houses <laughs> and stuff like that. You're going to be separating parents yeah. and kids. Like I say, you're going to go to those calls that's just going to take your patients away. I right? say so you got to be able to handle that type of stuff. So you got to be able to understand what's going on. So that's why I say ride alongs is always good. Some agencies do and some don't, but I think it's a really good idea just to give people a taste of what law enforcement goes through so they can understand whether they want to do this or not. Like I say, yeah, like I say, you're going to have the SWAT call outs, you're going to have the drug bus and all that stuff. But most time, definitely when you're on patrol, you're going to go through all the calls that no one really sees or really cares too much about. Like I say, you're going to be doing the, the accident reports, taking the death for calls and all that stuff the credit card debts and all that stuff like that. So you're going to be going through all that stuff. So you need to see if that's really what you want to do. That's it. It's just not always high flying stuff. So yeah. it's very far in between, unless you're in the big agency. Like I've seen some agency, like 
I live in Georgia, so you know, Atlanta PD, they're always going to be at it. The boys going to go. And like, yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, I can't imagine the call load like they have. Yeah, like, the big agency, like NYPD, you know, stuff, they, they're going to be on the go because they had that many people. But definitely, if you're from a smaller place, you only have smaller agencies around you, just to see if you can get in the car with somebody, just see what they do all day, figure out that's what you really want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Go on ride alongs, talk to cops, you know, get their take. And, mm-hmm. and ride alongs huge because then you mm-hmm. actually see what they're, they're dealing with it. It's so it cracks me up, man, because I used to teach on the college level and I used to go around to students and say, you know, how many people want to become cops? And very few would raise their hand. And then they would be like, well, what about detective? And they'd raise their hands and it'd be like, well, do you understand where you got to start first to become <laughs> detective? Yeah, to- When's the last time you saw uh, an advertisement, you know, some help wanted ad that said detective wanted? Mm-hmm. It, doesn't it doesn't happen. happen like you got to start on the street. Mm-hmm. You gotta, yeah. You got to get that experience. And I mean, it just, it just cracks me up, but you know, we're a resilient profession. You know that. And, mm-hmm. and I think we always, we kind of ebb and flow. We kind of have, you know, valleys and then peaks. And I think we're definitely in a, a valley right now. The one thing that, cause I'm a little older than you brother is, is, and maybe you remember this where it used to be, we didn't have, We've always been under scrutiny and we have to mm-hmm. be, we have to be as police officers oh, yeah. and first responders. But it seems like, you know, in, in the last handful of years, I don't care where you fall politically, but it just seems like politicians now have really taken aim at law enforcement on both sides or whatever side you want to pick. And as well as social media, you know, and all this other stuff. So it's just, I didn't have to deal a lot with that when, when I was, cause of, you know, I'm old. <laughs> but now it's like it's it's to your point man why would somebody get in law enforcement because we, you know, all you have to do is just turn on the news or get on tiktok or instagram or something but i tell people you know that's not i don't think it's the reality just because i think the majority of people out there still support people like you and other brave men and women who are serving so mm-hmm. i i don't know what your take is on that brother yeah i say most people support law enforcement but like i say it's just basically throwing in our face all the time. And like I said, it's just a hot topic right now for finding a, a law enforcement officer that's doing something that's supposed to do. And like I tell people, the ones that are being bad are doing the things that they're supposed to do as law enforcement, they need to go. But while you're showing the bad stuff, you need to show the good that law enforcement does. Like I say, you got to balance it out, but it's just not that type of balance going on. Like I say, every day you're going to see bad cops slamming your face. And like I say, we all understand there's bad cops in our profession and that they need to go. But people harp on it and they just constantly throw it in and just gets people this mindset that you know, all law enforcement are just these rogue individuals out here harassing people, throwing them on the ground, taking them into jail for no reason, falsely prosecuting them, or falsely uh, imprisoning them and taking them to jail when they're not doing any crimes, which is not the case. So most people understand what law enforcement do. They support us. But in the day where you get so much stuff thrown in your face, it kind of creates not bad judgment, but it makes people feel kind of differently about law enforcement. But most people understand that law enforcement does great things every day. And like I say, you're going to see the officer on the side of the road, help people change their tires, help them buy groceries they don't have enough money, things like that going on. But most of the time, that stuff is just not going to be politicized. Because it doesn't and, doesn't happen. It doesn't it doesn't sell. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it, the good, like stuff, law, good stuff doesn't sell. Yeah. And then most law enforcement officers don't look for the recognition anyway. They're going to do whatever they need to do. They just go about the way and finish up the rest of their day. So we're not looking for the popularity and to have everybody following us around with those small things that we do for the community. We just want to make sure that we're doing the best job that we can to make sure that our community continues to thrive and go forward successfully. Yeah. Thank you so much for your service, brother. Now you work in narcotics. 
you know, um, we're, we're hearing fentanyl all over the place. Um, fentanyl's a problem, obviously. Is that the biggest problem we have now, or what are some of the other drugs that you're seeing on the street uh, that are but, that are making a comeback or have always been big? Well, in our area, like I say, fentanyl starting to come around, but what people are doing with fentanyl is, like say, they mix it with everything. Like, people think they're going to buy, like, pills, oxycodone, roxies, you know, different things like that, but people are basically mixing the pills or pressing with fentanyl, and that's what's causing a lot of overdoses, but meth is something that we deal with all the time. It's just real big over here because it's a cheaper drug, but a lot of people use it. Uh, start to see a lot more crack come around. Like I say, where I'm from, you'll see heroin, but you don't see it as much as other drugs, but methamphetamine. It's and, cheap, uh, like you said, it's cheap. Yeah, yeah, and crack cocaine is what the drugs that we see. Actually, you're always going to deal with marijuana, but I say, instead, George is still legal. And like I tell people, most time when you have marijuana, it's going to be another drug involved somewhere else. Like I say, most people, when they're selling drugs, they're just going to sell marijuana. They're going to be selling crack, cocaine, heroin, fentanyl, something else along with it. Yeah. It just all comes together. But like I tell people, it's a billion-dollar industry. It's going to keep going no matter what. But the point of being in narcotics or being an addiction officer is that you just feel comfortable knowing that even if you only get a small bus or even if you got 500 pounds of cocaine, you know, you stop somebody from possibly Absolutely. getting hurt from it. Because like there's a lot of violence involved in the drug game or so on overdosing and dying. So any small amount that you get is still going to be helpful no matter what. Yeah. And it cracks me up what you said about marijuana. I remember, you know, Colorado was the first state that, that went legal with, with marijuana. When, mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you know, you needed a med card and all that stuff. But I, I remember people are like asking me, they were like, oh, my God, you know, I, I bet you crime is through the roof now that you made marijuana legal. And I was like, no, my perspective. I mean, we still have much more problems with alcohol and Coke and meth and all this mm -hmm. other stuff. I'm not some advocate of marijuana. I'm just saying I've never been to a marijuana or a fight where people just high on marijuana. Maybe, maybe, maybe it'll happen, but usually they have other things on board like meth or crack or whatever. And you mm -hmm. just, and again, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but um, yeah, I mean, and that's what we, we are hearing as far as fentanyl all over the place now and poor people like you, like these poor officers out there and first responders that have to deal with it. I mean, this shit will kill you, man. If you touch it, right. Mm -hmm. It'll get in your system right away. It'll absorb and you're, you know, into your bloodstream, right? I mean, it's, see, we didn't have yeah, a lot of that when I was still in. Yeah, I've seen a lot of videos of basically officers, man, you know, I say, you know, I'm not gonna say I'm old school, but, I, you know, a lot of times I think get put on gloves and stuff, but you'll see officers when they come in contact with like fentanyl, where they breathe it in, and then you'll see them going down, people have to give them marking and stuff. And sometimes you don't know it's there, but I say, you'd be dealing with meth, or you, if you're dealing with cocaine or heroin and stuff like that, you think those are the drugs, but they mix it in, yeah. and like I said, they get that contact with it, and then they go down. So it's it's really dangerous. And like I say, people are putting the streets like I'm seeing every day. I'm really big into addiction work. Like people are popping these guys with like 10,000 plus pills of fentanyl and all that stuff, but still more coming in. And like I say for every couple of kilos that we, you know, we catch, we're missing another hundred kilos coming in. So it's a ever evolving game. There's a lot of money involved in it. It's just one of those things like you just got to do your part. And I say, and just hope for the best. But I say it, it drugs is always going to be around. Yeah. There's supply and demand. You know, I mean, supply and demand. And I heard, and you probably know this, I heard that there's enough fentanyl coming in and maybe even in the United States to kill every person in the country. Yeah. It doesn't it, take much of it at all. It's just, it's just crazy, brother. Now, you know, mental health, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Officer health and wellness is huge. Mm -hmm. You know that. Um, why do you think first responders, and when I say first responders, not just cops, fire, EMS, dispatchers, 
you know, and others. Why, why do you think they're so hesitant to, to come forward? I mean, you're in the field right now. You see it every day. You're dealing with a lot. Why do you think officers, and I shouldn't say all officers are all first responders, but a lot of them are afraid to come forward and say, I need some help. Well, they probably think that their co-workers and all of them going to look at them differently. I know I heard from in the past, like, but law enforcement officers saying that they have a mental issue. So a lot of times people will start talking about, okay, maybe they don't need their gun and badge, you know, maybe they're exactly. not built for the job and they don't want anybody questioning them that they can't do their job, but they're still having some issue with some things that's going on. Like at the end of the day, not only law enforcement, fire, EMS, all of them, we see some crazy stuff. Like you go to so many, you know, violent deaths and all that stuff. It can take a toll on you and you need to talk to somebody about it. But some people feel that, you know, if they do start talking to people about it, people start judging them and thinking that, okay, well, maybe they have these issues. Maybe they can't handle the stresses of the job and they don't need their job. And no one really wants that coming in question. They're like, okay, maybe I've seen too much. I just need to talk to somebody. But then they just don't know how other people can perceive that. And like I say, you don't want to be around somebody that you, you know, three or four years that's your partner all that stuff and you start having mental issues and you talk to them and tell them that and they start looking at you differently and kind of push you to the side so that's kind of one of the issues that people face i mean more or less they're not going to you know just show you away you know openly mm-hmm. but a little small hints from saying that okay well maybe i don't want you going in this house behind me because i don't know how you're going to take situations it's something that makes people stop from coming forward or trying to seek the help and that's why a lot of people are coming up with different tools and resources for law enforcement officers and first responders to be anonymous, anonymous to ask yeah. for help. So that's that's one of the things. Like, um, it's one lady that's on LinkedIn right now, Kelly White, that does a great job of that. I think yeah. they, just re- they just created some kind of thing where basically like a hotline where you can call in, talk to somebody, and they can even give you prescription medicine. They're trying to find a way so that if you need the help and all that stuff, they can do it discreetly. So, you know, you don't have that halo or wherever the, over your head when people think that, okay, you're a law enforcement officer, your mental health might not be the best. Maybe you don't need to be doing the job you're doing. Yeah. And, and I tell people all the time, just, well, I, I just, my comment is, you know, as a first responder for many years, I mean, there, and you probably know this, I'm sure you do. There's only so much you can see and, and, and experience trauma, mm-hmm. you know, people at their worst, people don't call 911, everything's great. Um, and you get there and you do what you have to do. But there's only so much you can take of that before, it, you know, you're, you're going to have to, like you said, I mean, talk to somebody because you can only fill so much in your cup, right? Before it starts mm-hmm. spilling over. And I don't care. And I was one of these guys. I don't care how big and bad I thought I was, some badass. Eventually it got to me. And it will, I tell people, this job will affect you. It will damage mm-hmm. you to some degree. Mm-hmm. The good thing is you can be fixed as long as yeah. you come forward and say, look, I need some help. But there's no shame in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just just to be willing to talk to some people. Like I said, even for me in my career, like I said, uh, some of the hardest things that we deal with is, you know, deaths of children. And seeing exactly. some of the things that children go through can really mess up, especially when you have kids yourself, and you just don't want to see people put through those types of situations. So especially when you have a critical incident, that's why I think all law enforcement agencies put this in play, that you have somebody come in that you your officers can talk to, decompress to, let them know that what just happened that they need to talk to maybe help them out and get through that process that they just went through. Like I say, sometimes, man, you know, you'll go through a bad rate, might be have two or three fatalities. You pack that up and you go into a murder next. So it's one of those things, like, if you work for a big agency, you can be going from bad call to bad call, and then you just go home, take off your belt, and you're just there. So it's yeah. just one of those things that I believe that people need to talk to somebody. We got to make sure that we pay attention to law, law, well, law enforcement, mental health. But like I say, you see in a lot of these bigger agencies that a lot of suicides are up. 
Uh, and I said, yeah. that's for one reason or other, because sometimes you just don't never know why they committed suicide. But I say, you know, most of the time they don't leave letters or anything, whatever. They just want to make sure their family's taken care of. And they feel that sometimes taking their life is the best way to do it. So yeah. we just got to figure out the best way to curb that or stop it from occurring, which sounds easy, but it's a little difficult. But like I say, you don't know what they're also seeing to trigger them. So we just got to make sure we can find a, a good way to talk to them, try to get them back on the right path and see where they're at mentally. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, every organization has its own kind of culture, mm -hmm. you know, its own culture. And I think some organizations are better than others as far as leadership and leadership, you know, the brass. And I was one of those guys, you know, mm -hmm. to, to, to really do more for, you know, the brave men and women, because I talk to a lot of cops, brother. I know you do too. And one of the biggest things they keep coming back is, well, we don't think you know, leadership has our back. We don't think, you know, we're afraid. It's just because of that culture of that organization. I'm not there. I'm just going off what they're telling me. But mm -hmm. I think a lot of cops out there think, well, leadership, you know, says one thing and does another. And, and we don't we don't trust them that much. Again, mm -hmm. not every organization. So that's huge, man. If you're out there worrying about how what's going to happen if you have to use force or something or any decision that you make that you're going to be, you know, leadership's going to go after you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's why I say you got to make sure you're in a place where you know that you have a good, solid foundation with your leadership. Absolutely. Uh, leadership that supports you, that comes around talking to you, just basically checking on you, make sure you're all right. Like I said, that's one thing I can say about my sheriff. Uh, he's always been one of those people that's been in tune with the people that work for him. Absolutely. Even if he needs to get in the car and, you know, take some calls or he'll call you when something's that's going amazing. on. He's just always been one of those people that, you know, he'll reach out to you. I, even when my child was born, he was one of the first person to text call me. Hey, you know, I see you got a new child. Congratulations. If you need something, let me know take all the time off you need, you know, we'll make sure things are taken care of until you come back. So make sure you're around those type of leaders Absolutely. that's support you. And like I say, even when you're wrong, like I said, in the day, he fired me when I was younger, when he made me resign when I was younger. So I know what type of leader he is. If you do wrong, he's going to correct you, but he's always going to be there for you when you need help. So just make sure you're around those type of people. And if you are a leader, make sure you're that type of person that you wanted to be, or you wanted to be that leader when you was younger. So make sure you just keep that around because, Leadership can make or break a department. Like I say bad leadership can drive a lot of officers away. So just make sure you have those type of people in in line that they can talk to because you don't want to be a bro above approach and just feel like you know the officers can't vent out to them or if they do that they might get in trouble. So just make sure you're a good leader. And like I say, like I said, it sounds easy, but sometimes oh, it's very hard. <laughs> it, it's very difficult because at the end of it, you still got to maintain that leadership. You got to discipline people. And when you discipline people, sometimes they put them in bad spirits. They be like, feel like you're against them. But in days, eventually, you hope that they learn that you did what was best for them and that you're just trying to help them become a better person. So it's easier said than done being a good leader, but you just got to work on it. Yeah, but it's 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 exactly what you said. Like, I mean, your sheriff sounds amazing. I mean, somebody, uh, the, the the sheriff, the number one guy, reaches out to Eric McCants and says, the sheriff, not his under sheriff, or somebody else reaches out and says, "Hey, man, congratulations with your kid." Cops, yeah, we all love money, but it's the little things like that mm -hmm. that makes people feel appreciated. Or getting in a car, I, I, I don't, I haven't seen that in a long time. Where a senior mm -hmm. executive in an organization gets in the car and he'll shag some calls. That's mm -hmm. huge. Talk about connecting in a big morale booster with your troops. I mean, he didn't have to do that. But he 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 chooses to do it, which is huge, and that speaks volumes. That's more than money sometimes, if you ask me. With morale, mm -hmm. yeah, so those little small things like that that just you know make people feel appreciated. And like I say, just coming down sometimes talking to people in mustard, 
talking to your people and just trying to figure out more solutions or what you could do better as a leader to help the department rise to where everybody thinks it should be. Like say, because sometimes when you're way up there, you don't know what's going on down low. So sometimes you got to go down there, talk Absolutely. to people that's in the trenches to figure out what's going on. I said, that's where you come into a lot of problems with people that, you know, maybe they want to switch over to low bear invest. They want to, you know, open up the tattoo policy and you might not even change it, but just talking to them and help them understand why you have that policy in place is a little bit better instead of just saying no completely. So sometimes people just need an explanation. And that's one thing, like the older guys are telling me, like that's what's new, what's different with this generation. If you tell them that, uh, a direction or order, they're going to say why first. They want to know why they're doing this. <laughs> yeah. They want to know why you want me to do this and that. And he said, you got to be able to explain it. You can't just say just because I told you so. Even though you're a leader, you can't say that. Yeah. But it's better to explain it to them because they're going to feel some type of way Absolutely. if you don't. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you got going on, Eric? Wait, I mean, you're doing great things. You're serving. Thank you so much. What's on your horizon, brother, if you can share? Uh, like I said, man, working in family. Uh, eventually, like I say, I, I do want to become a special agent, either for a state or federal agency. Uh, and like I said, I want to get back. Well, not get back, but get into instructing. Like I said, I got my instructor certification through Georgia. And I want to start awesome. teaching more classes, but I do want to become an adjunct instructor. Uh, a lot of classes are online classes, but I just feel I'll serve a better purpose talking in person. I just feel like I connect better with people like that. So becoming a special agent, uh, becoming an instructor would be some things. And hopefully, like I said, eventually be able to move around, eventually with my family. Like I, said, I tell people, like I say, you know, I've been in this area I've been in my whole life. And like I say, I think it's just a life hack to move around. See somewhere different. Don't be under your family's nest your whole life. Just yeah. try something different. Even if you do come back. But I think being out under your own two feet when that safety net from under you helps you out a lot better. Absolutely, man. You got to venture out, right? Yes. Sir. I mean, a ship is not designed to just sit in the harbor, right? You got to, or a boat, you got to venture that thing out, experience oh, new yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> Figure out the highs and lows of life. <laughs> Eric McCants, thank you so much, brother, for coming on the show. Thank you for serving, my friend. Keep up the fantastic work. If somebody wants to reach out to you and say, I like Eric, and how could you not like Eric? <laughs> you're all over man i see you all over doing good stuff on linkedin how do they reach out to you well besides linkedin is that the biggest way yeah that's probably gonna be the easiest way to reach out to me on linkedin uh also like to have facebook but most of that's just for family stuff you're not going to get the same content that i have on linkedin but linkedin is going to be a good one and i also like to you guys come up to my sheriff's department come talk to me sit down with me and the guys have a cup of coffee if you like to but linkedin would probably be the easiest way to reach out to me cool any final words for the troops out there brother any final uh, words of wisdom from eric mccants Basically, like I tell everybody, just keep that positive mindset. Uh, like I said, I'm a, a big pusher of the book Secret. Like I said, my partner put me oh, on it a long it. time ago. Love uh, it. And I think everybody should read it. And like I said, I'm really big into motivational speeches. because you just kept, you keep going forward. So just keeping that positive mindset. And like I said, don't get me wrong, you're going to have negative things happen around you, bad things. But find the positive out of every bad situation. Yeah. I promise you that things should be better. Absolutely. Law of attraction, right, man? Yes, sir. <laughs> Eric. If you need anything, brother, you know how to find me. We're friends on social media, so you just reach out to me, man. God bless you. God bless your family. Thank you so much again for for doing what you do every day. Please be safe, and I'd love to have you back on down the road, brother. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me on. All right, brother. Take care. Such a great interview with Eric. He is such an amazing individual serving his community with distinction. If you love the audio, head over to CJ Evolution Podcast on YouTube and check out this great video. Please be safe, take care, and we'll see you next time on the CJ Evolution Podcast.